Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. Today we're talking about workforce planning and our goal is to provide clarity of what is really needed versus what you think you want. Evaluating your internal team and your mission is crucial to get the right people in the right seats at your company. Today's quote, never look back unless you're planning to go that way. Any idea who said that, Miss Katie Weber? Uh, I happen to know, but uh, oh, you can say I go. cheated. I cheated. It's Henry David Thoreau. That's okay. I like cheating. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Rick Gerard. Welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Our mission is to provide proven tactical solutions to solve your company's toughest hiring challenges. We share insights from top performing entrepreneurs and industry experts like our guest today, Ms. Katie Weber. She's the CEO of KMW Recruitment Consulting. Katie has worked around the world with early stage startups to global Fortune 500s. There's my tongue twister for today. She now utilizes that experience to quickly assess recruitment challenges, recommend and implement best practices, and find creative solutions ranging from engaged search to plug-and-play recruitment teams for her clients. She's developed a recruiting search framework with supporting tools that facilitate organizational communication, reinforces recruitment branding, eliminates bias, and attracts the right talent. Her company motto is, it's not just about filling the right position, it's about fueling your mission. Katie, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Thanks. Happy to be here. Yeah, happy to have you. Today, we're going to talk about what happens when you don't land or you don't assess what you have. We're going to talk about where to start and we're going to talk about how to implement that. So let's start out with um, why is it important to have workforce planning? In the first place. Right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the importance of workforce planning is so that we're not just going full steam ahead without knowing what exactly we need uh, so that we can hire the right people. When companies are small and trying to start out, they've got to get really clear about what it is that they need because they're running really lean. So a bad hire can be... Can crush you. It can crush you. Absolutely. You know, when you mentioned running lean... I think we all know the story of Instagram, right? So Instagram sold to Facebook for $1 billion in 2013 with just 13 employees. Yeah. So that in itself is amazing. That's running really lean and having a highly effective team. Yeah, absolutely. Can you imagine that? That's amazing. And actually, that's uh, exactly, I think, what everyone strives to do. It's just you get so caught up, obviously, if you're a solo entrepreneur or you are just a small team and you're trying to get out there, you're thinking you need more and more people, but you need to just get really clear about the roles and what each person needs to achieve. Absolutely. The cost of a bad hire, I think, would be the next piece of that. If you make a bad hire, not only can it be catastrophic to your company because it kills everything like morale and productivity, but it also costs your company a lot of money. It does. There's lots of different stats out there in regard yeah. to that. I, the, I think the latest one that I've heard was that it's about 150% of the annual salary of whatever position it was that you were going to hire for. Is that taking into consideration the effective work of the people around that person? That exactly. Yeah. Losing that, productivity? It's that role, the people around them, the time that was put into the recruitment effort, the money that was spent on the recruitment effort, and the overall loss in in momentum right there in terms of it and starting over again. And I'm sure that would make investors really happy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
And as we all know, disengagement is is contagious. So what ends up happening is that when you disengage or you cause somebody to disengage, then everybody else around them does as well. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know what? I read a stat earlier where they were saying globally, only 15% of the workforce globally is engaged. Wow. That's really low. <laughs> only 15%. I'm sure it's got to be higher here in the U.S. In the U.S.? Yeah. Really? You don't think so? Well, I think that there's a lot of opportunity right now for uh, coaches mm. and workforce development organizational planning individuals to go out there and make huge impacts with companies right now. Sure. I think that in such a competitive market right now, there's a lot of ability to move from job to job and a lot of testing the water and people don't have long tenures at places. And I don't know. Well, it's too easy to move to another company. Yeah. And that's where I think the engagement, I mean, when people don't stay at a company very long, they're never becoming an expert in the role that they're in. So how engaged are they? How engaged are they in trying to to really accomplish a mission at that company. I think of it as it's a series of bad choices if you hop from job to job to job. You're just making the wrong choices. Yeah. Because it is on you as an employee. Right. Right now, it's an employee's market. You choose where you're going to go. Mm -hmm. And most companies get multiple offers. The problem is that most employees will actually take the money versus taking the opportunity that's right for their career. Right. And they don't get clear about what it is that they want to do over the longer term and what the time that they need to put in in order to do that, right? We also are seeing a time when students are coming out of college with more debt than ever. And so money <laughs> tends to be a big motivator. I can't wait motivator. until my daughter gets out of college. <laughs> yeah. And so it's hard. It's hard to give up that money early on. Oh, yeah. And not jump from job to job. But they're not necessarily getting the expertise and experience that they need. Well, what ends up happening is you jump into a job because you need the money. And then you get stuck in that job. Mm-hmm. I would imagine you could go through that uh, midlife crisis a lot sooner right. than we did since I just went through mine like three years ago. So <laughs> <laughs> That sounds about right. <laughs> right. All right. So let's talk about planning and kicking off your hiring plans for 2019. What needs to happen? All right. So you have a step-by-step process. If I'm a small company and I'm, I just got some money and I'm looking to hire, what do I need to do first? Right. Exactly. Everybody gets, or I shouldn't say everybody, but many companies get that funding and they say, okay, this is the team that I want to have in place because I think that these are the positions that will alleviate some of the work that I've got on my shoulders and I'm dealing with, right? Sure. So, but they they need to get really clear about the mission that they're trying to achieve as an organization. Are they accepting the right kind of projects and work? Just because they got this money now, are they are they investing it in the right ways, in the right areas, and moving forward? So getting really clear about that mission and what needs to be accomplished. So knowing who you are and what you need to do. Exactly. All right. Yeah. First point of context, you need to know who you are and what you're looking to accomplish. What's the mission statement? You got the money. You should know that. Exactly. <laughs> Hopefully that's how you got the money is by being clear about that in the first place. Or you might have a rich uncle. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> The second step, I think, is then evaluating the people that you have around you, looking at the leadership that's in place. Mm -hmm. Too many times, if you're going out there and you're thinking you're going to hire a bunch of positions and you don't have someone who's going to be leading them, a strong leader, those people are going to either, number one, not be the best hires for the organization because the wrong person is doing the hiring or involved in the hiring process, or then they get on board and that onboarding process is not exactly smooth or informative and or And a key fun. point is you want to hire A players. Right. You want people that are going to elevate the performance of your company, right. not drag it down. Right. And A players hire other A players. 
B players, higher C players. I think it's important to make a differentiation there, though. It's, you know, not that somebody's not an A player, but they might not be an A player in that particular environment. In that seat. Yeah, in that yeah. seat, in that, in that company, or so, in that company, totally right? Agree. Yeah. That it just might not be the right place for them. And I think that's an important factor, especially for small companies, because the, sometimes the people that they start out with to get them off the ground and running are not the same people who, that they should have in place for the next growth phase right, of the organization. Yeah. See, I believe that A and B players are kind of interchangeable. Where you get in trouble is the C to D players. Sure. <laughs> I, <laughs> They're always going to be in that space. Yeah. You want to evaluate the team that's already in place. Exactly. The leadership and the team that's already in place. Okay. And this is where we start to get into workforce planning. Exactly. After this piece. So we're going to dig into this a little bit further on the back end of the show. Okay, great. And then, so the next phase is is budget and timeline. Mm-hmm. Exactly how much money do you have? What's the timeline that you've got to do it? And I always recommend that people look at that quarterly, right? First quarter, second quarter, third quarter. It takes longer to hire than you ever think that it does. It, so, and it does, especially now. Yeah. And if you're looking to elevate the the level of talent with, with, that you have in your organization, it's going to take longer. Exactly. Because yeah. you're going to have to be pickier. You're going to have to pass on people that you would have normally hired just because they're not the right fit. Exactly. And you're not going to find unemployed candidates right now. So everybody's got to give notice at their current organization, yeah. uh, which is going to delay the process further. Best, you're getting an extra two weeks where they can start. But most people are three dragging weeks. out three to four exactly, weeks. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And then just looking at the actual volume of positions that's needed and what kind of hiring partner or strategy, recruitment strategy, do you need to fill those positions? That could be an contract recruiter that comes in to help for a staffing surge. That could be a retained firm that actually helps with one key role and then you're able to advertise for the rest. That could be an HR slash recruitment, somebody who's got combined experience to come in and help the company grow and knows something about organizational design. That's three very, very basic options, right? But there's tons of scenarios. Well, let's say I'm a startup. I just got my Series A round, Mm -hmm. building out around that. Or should I just go balls to the wall and go, hey, look, I need to hire a bunch of people to get stuff done? I think that you've got to look at that leadership first. I mean, I, I think there's others that would debate that. But I think that you've got to have a leader in there who can help onboard those individuals, let's say 10 hires, like you were alluding to, right? 10 hires. Who's going to bring those folks on board, onboard them and get them started and motivated and running in the right direction for all that work that's got to get done? If you don't have that leader, how are you going to attract those A players? Exactly. Chicken and egg scenario. And not to mention, if you get the right leader and and that's the first person that you bring on board, a lot of time a leader can bring a team with them. They, a lot of times, are able to attract individuals from other organizations that they've worked with. Most do. Right. Most really solid players will bring like two to three people from anywhere that they've worked with before and now you've got your team yeah all right if you're just joining us on the podcast or the live stream you're listening to the higher power radio show i'm your host rick gerard and today our guest is katie weber the ceo of kmw recruitment consulting and we are talking about evaluating your internal team and planning for workforce development Okay, so I'm a big fan of Jim Collins. Mm-hmm. I, I like the um, let's first who and then what, right? Okay. So first who kind of comes into play here because you really need to know who you are and then, of course, who you're going to hire. Mm-hmm. He's kind of flopped it toward the mission side. A little. Right. So let's talk about the people first, right? I mean, yeah. you were talking about a 10-person organization, but let's just say that this organization is a little bit larger. Sure. Maybe it's 40, 50 people. And you've got to really evaluate who you've got on the team already. 
And I want to just go back to that point that I was making before, where sometimes the individuals that you bring in when the organization is really small are not going to be the right individuals to take you through the next growth phase. Yeah, especially a year or two down the road. And Rick, I've seen too many times where an organization is small, and so they don't put standardized processes in place like performance reviews. No, there's no standardized process. No. Or at least have some sort of structure in place. It doesn't necessarily have to have a performance review. I I have one company that I know where they actually do peer-reviewed performance reviews. Sure. Do they do them on a schedule? No. Yeah. (laughs) You're nominated. It's it's kind of an interesting thing. So what you do is you reach out to your peers and say, hey, can you nominate me for a peer review for a raise or Uh, elevation in title? So they make it an interactive activity between everybody in the organization. Okay. Interesting. That's an interesting uh, take on it, but it works really well for them. Okay. Yeah. I guess, you know, some people can really work that out. I I think that it's really important to have clear expectations for your new employees who come into the organization. Absolutely. So, I mean, in 90 days, they want to know if they're doing well and they're moving in the right direction and they're accomplishing the goals that they were hired to achieve. Most companies don't have goals that they need to achieve in 90 days. So putting performance metrics in place is a huge piece of it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and that's, again... If you're clear about the mission and you've got deliverables that need to be met, you've outlined them by quarter, there should be some goals in place for the new people that you bring on board. This is where planning comes into play. Absolutely. And this is where even when you're putting those job descriptions out there to attract the right talent, you're using those goals as part of the messaging for the role. Oh, absolutely. To make sure that you're getting the right talent on board. You really have to take a break from the daily firefighting. Right. And sit down on a weekend, meditate with the team (laughs) and write all this stuff up. Because what's most important is getting the right people in the right seats. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. And getting the wrong people off the bus. Exactly. uh, When the time comes. Yeah. And too many times people think that that's a really difficult thing to do, Uh, you know, and it doesn't have to be. If there's regular check-ins, if there's regular performance evaluations, and you can call them whatever you want, whether it's a peer review or something else, when you're having those conversations on a regular basis and you can see that you're not aligned with someone they can see it too. And it's usually of no surprise to anybody. Absolutely, yeah. And you know what? Then if you do it in advance and it's proactive, you're giving that person an opportunity to find the right, someplace where they can excel, right? As opposed to this environment where they might not be anymore. All right, so this leads us into actually evaluating the internal team because you brought up a good point here. How do you look at your internal team? What do you look at? How do you move forward from there? Sure. So what I like to do with my clients is really sit down and evaluate to them what their core values are as an organization. So they've- Do they know them most of the time? Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. And so we have to have some exploratory conversations about it. And I ask them to define challenges within the organization and what kind of person or trait they think it's going to take to overcome that challenge. Uh, So I'll give you an example. One of the organizations that I was just working with, um, smaller organization, only about 45 people, and they were a very siloed organization. So when I started asking them about the challenges, the first thing they said to me is, I need an open leader, someone with open leadership skills. And I said to them, what does that really mean for you? And it actually, for them, didn't just mean like inclusivity and the ability to take suggestions from others, but it also meant being able to work 
cross-functionally across the organization with the other leaders in the other silos that they had built to bring them together. So you need somebody with communication skills. Yeah. Yeah. And that was part of it too. So it was really sitting down and defining like where the challenges are with the organization and getting them to define those core values in terms of what's going to move them to the next step. So we're looking at cultural fit, values alignment, attitude, and then the mission ownership or like the, the buy-in to the mission. Absolutely. Yeah. And then think about it. Once you get really clear about those core values and you start interviewing individuals for the roles that you've got open, you're able to use those core values with behavioral interview questions to really get to the essence of what someone can deliver. For but I, And I know this is beating a dead horse, but you have to live those core values. Absolutely. I find that about 50% of the companies that I have worked with in the past, they have great core values. A lot of them, well, we stick to one, two, and three, but four and five, we just, those are kind of like in the gray zone. (laughs) We don't really live those. Yeah. (laughs) You can't really have core values that are negotiable. Yeah. That's just (laughs) the definition of insanity, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Well, if you look at most successful companies in the world, Amazon, they stick very true and they hire for cultural alignment and Uh, how you fit into their leadership principles. Yeah. I'm doing a commercial on Amazon. Hopefully they they renew my prime prime membership for free. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know why I'm doing it, but you have to hold true to that. And it's got to be dear because that's what's going to make your company succeed. Yeah. What else are we looking at when we evaluate your internal team? Internal team. I think it's important to just continually reassess how, how well that team aligns with the core values of the organization. Maybe those core values shift a little bit as the organization grows. So do the individuals on the team. So I think it's important to continue aligning those and questioning them and making sure that that's there. I think also, especially for small organizations, they don't necessarily have the funding or foresight or uh, planning processes necessarily to put skill development into some sort of formal process within the organization. Education and training. Education, training, yeah. Ongoing development, you know, professional development for the organization. But I think that those are all key for not only making sure that your current internal staff continues to grow, but that actually is one of the things that helps with engagement. When you were talking about employee engagement being so low, if somebody sees that an uh, organization is willing to invest in them or allow them to invest in themselves, mm-hmm. I think that that is a huge way to gain continued engagement. Lastly, look at work performance. You have to right. look at the current performance versus potential for growth. Right. Which tends to be flopped because it, people look at current performance first. And then they make all their their judgments based on that. They do. And I think that some of the time, I mean, if you have a really skilled leader who can see that someone's potential or intelligence or the skill sets that they're able to bring to the organization, there's a ton of room for potential there, then obviously that's the win-win scenario, right? I, I know so many organizations, for example, that'll say, you know, we have this role and they have to have this degree to do the position. Sure. And that's just not always the case, right? It's, the five years of this and four years exactly, of that is just silly. It's silly. And the fact that people adhere to that so strongly is just silly. <laughs> <laughs> so. I don't want to call anyone out, but I mean, too many organizations. There's I mean. a lot of silly people out there. <laughs> Fulfillment breeds engagement, which also breeds increased productivity. Absolutely. If we're looking at at those three components, which are cultural fit, advanced training, or what have you, and then the work performance. Yeah. Anything else that you're using to evaluate the team? Primarily those three and and really evaluate where the team... But I mean, again, 
this this evaluation has to happen on a consistent and ongoing basis. And gosh, you know what? We have more content, but we're running out of time for today's show. So Katie, I want to thank you for your time investment today. And, and I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Thanks. Now, what would be the best way in which any of the members of our community to reach you? You could do that through kmwrecruitment.com. Okay. Or I'm also on Facebook, uh, Katie M. Weber. And those are the, probably the two best ways. And you're on LinkedIn as well. And LinkedIn, yeah. Katie M. Weber on LinkedIn. Oh, spell Weber. Oh, W-E-B-E-R. Perfect. And then you and I are also going to be sharing the stage at ERE Conference. It's coming up in San Diego on April 24th. Yes. Do you know what time you speak? Three o'clock, I believe. I'm at 1130. Okay. Good. We get to sit on each other's Yes. Talks. Yes. On the same day. I want to thank our listening audience for tuning into this week's episode of Higher Power. A quick thanks to our team, our engineer, Paul Roberts, our producers, Andrea Ballin, Shanti Ryle, and Ailey Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. You know why. Join our community at higherpowerradio.com. That's H-I-R-E-P-O-W-E-R-R-A-D-I-O.com. Or you can follow me on Instagram at rickgerard1. Tune in next week. Our guest is going to be Shannon Johnson. She's the founder of Stand Out and Get Hired. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard on OC Talk Radio. 